What's up, everybody? This is the Yalabad Podcast with a little different intro today because because the episode you're going to hear is still going to be unedited. It's going to be raw. It's going to be authentic. But we wanted to give a bit more context of what we're going to be talking about because it is a sensitive topic. Uh, we actually have some guests from truelove.is uh, and we talk to them about a recent video they released and their general approach to to the topic of LGBT issues. And we're going to be talking to other members of the LGBT community and activists as well, hopefully in the coming couple of weeks. So if you have any questions or, or any doubts about what you hear today or any questions for future guests, please also just use the Reddit as a sounding board for you to put it out there. And, and we're doing this because we know we are not from the community in question. And just like we've always done on our podcast, we want to consider different perspectives. So just listen to it with an open mind and let us know what you guys think. All right, enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of Yala. Now, it is special because unlike most of the episodes where it's just Terrence and I rambling on, today we have two very special guests uh, from an organization that we have spoken about in previous podcasts. uh, And... I will admit that uh, the reason why we spoke about that organization is they put out a video online and in the podcast, which I will openly say because the two of them listened to the podcast, I did refer to the video as being disgusting. Mm. And there were uh, comments from we got from Reddit, uh, even Terrence uh, had a, and I had a debate about that. But today, we have guests who are from True Love Is. First of mm. all, we have Pastor Norman and Tao Chen. Tao Chen. Tao Chen. Tao Chen, yeah. Tao Chen, Okay. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, guys, um, maybe we can just start off by just telling us broadly in whatever way you want to say, uh, because this is a conversation uh, and we hope the listeners understand that this is, these are two people from our organization who put out a video that I said was disgusting and mm. now we are facing them face to face and having a conversation. This is your reckoning. This is my <laughs> reckoning. <laughs> yeah. this, this is judgment day, everyone. <laughs> this is judgment day. So, so maybe if I could just ask Pastor Norman first, what is true love is? Uh, I know that's a very broad question. You can tackle it however you want. Maybe you can give an intro of who you are and, and what you guys do. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then we can just dive straight into it. Thanks for having us, man. Um, mm. That disgusting comment hurt a little, man, I'm, I must tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> guys, we're all, we're, they, they are face-to-face right now. Yeah, we are face-to-face. see to face. the videos, but they are yeah. face-to-face and this that's is right. a real Touched, hold me back. Yeah. <laughs> hold, hold me back, Touched. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, I'm a pastor at 316, yeah. and we uh, co-founded True Love Is. Mm-hmm. True Love Is is a ministry of 316 Church, mm-hmm. and and our heart is to provide stories and conversations to help Christians converse about LGBTQ matters. Okay. So so unlike what a lot of people think, uh, we are not a club. So mm. we don't have members. Okay. okay. And we are not a place. We don't have a regularly scheduled program where people come and get the gay prayed out of them. We, we don't have all of that. Okay? okay. So think of us like a social media platform, like Ministry of Funny. Okay. Um, mm, whoa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're bringing them together, you see. Okay. And, and we, we produce stories, but yeah. primarily on Christians who self identify with unwanted same sex attraction. Okay. okay? Mm. So it's, it's about this group of people. And our heart is that we recognize that historically or or generally speaking, the church has not done a great job Mm -hmm. in being accepting of Christians with same-sex attraction. Mm. And our heart is to change that conversation. So I myself, as a pastor, was very apathetic 
to this situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it bothered us a lot. I didn't think that we should do a lot of stuff. I have said very insensitive comments as well. Like, you know, all we need to do is to love the sinner and hate the sin. Mm. And, and that might sound very fancy, but there's a lot involved in loving the sinner and how much have we actually done in that. I've said something that's not very empathetic, like, why, why can't you stop being gay? Mm. And I've said all those very insensitive things and I, I've apologized for that. And all that really changed when I met someone like, like, like Tao Chen. Mm-hmm. Um, I met this guy, his name is Raphael. Mm. And he shared with me how things like that actually hurt. And when you have someone in front of you mm-hmm. and, and you, are, you come face to face with the hurt that you've caused, it's, it's different. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I apologized and, I, and, and we recognize that there's a lot more that the church can do to be a safer place for Christians who self-identify with same-sex attraction or with unwanted same-sex attraction mm-hmm. that they can come back to. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the goal of True Love Is. And, and it's recognizing that there is an issue and we want to provide stories and conversations so that that can change, so that we can start to be a bridge between what's going on here. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and how long ago was True Love is, uh, is started? We started in 1918. Uh, 2018. 2018. 2018. <laughs> yeah. 20. And you were involved uh, 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 with 316 for how long? Uh, we started about seven years ago. We were there from the start. I co-founded mm. it with um, our senior pastor and a group of us that came out from another church. Okay, okay. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to ask some super noob questions. Lah. So when you say that the church, right, uh, from what I know about uh, Christianity, there are... What, what would you categorize like the Catholics, Protestant and all that? Like, I, like, can you just explain what you mean? Because church is a very broad word, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So in Singapore, if I'm not wrong, there are 18.8 Christians. Out of mm. these 18.8, 12% are Protestants. Mm. Within the Protestants, which is uh, your non-Catholics, yeah. uh, generally known as Christians, right? Yeah. Uh, you have a whole bunch of denominations and independent churches. Mm-hmm. So uh, 316 is an independent church within that subset. So that's about 6.8% of uh, the people in Singapore. Uh, eight, eight. eight point eight percent I think, if I'm not wrong. Okay. No, sorry, sorry, 12%. Oh, 12%. 12% percent. Percent okay. are Protestants. Okay, okay. So you're a subset of that. Yes. Okay. So, uh, wow, so many questions. But actually, yeah. we also hear from uh, yeah. Toh to Chen also mm. just to introduce yourself to our listeners and, and a, bit of, a bit about your background for those who might not have seen the video and stuff. Sure. So I was the subject of the video that was released by True Lovis mm-hmm. uh, about a month ago. Mm. And uh, this was the video that yeah. you watched and yeah. you were talking about. No, but yeah. actually I'm really great uh, grateful for this uh, for this time together because when I listened to your podcast, I was really impressed by the quality of conversation. Mm. I know that you there were... were? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm shocked. I am shocked. <laughs> no, obviously, you know, uh, people can use different choice of words and so on. So, but you know, the 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 conversation was logical. Um, at times, uh, people, you know, different people have different emotions that they put into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But by and large, the conversation was logical, mm-hmm. and you were trying to get a handle, and that was so impressive. You know, it was not entirely just off the wall, emotional, and completely bigoted in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was actually a very rational conversation between between the two of you, and you were both self-correcting each other. Um, you know, not just each other but but self-correcting yourself in the conversation so that really impressed me mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why when pastor norman said is it okay that we come and uh, talk to you i said yeah of course you know this is th- these are a rational bunch of people uh so i'm really grateful for this uh, for this you're very gracious yeah <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> well, it's uh it's heartfelt it's heartfelt yeah. no i mean but one thing that i yeah. did uh 
notice like that that brought that video to my attention. I mean, I have seen True Love is videos before, uh, all the way from a couple of years back, and that's when I think people started noticing your videos because of high production value. But one thing that I noticed in your video is that you were responding almost immediately to everyone who was commenting, good or bad. Yes, and um, I found that like, whoa, it's not you're not just like uh, someone who appears in a video and then after that, you know disappears and doesn't answer anything. Yes, but you are literally talking to the people. So that's why I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you heard the conversation with Harish and I was like, yes. if this is working for him, like, is it really in our place to say, you know, it's disgusting or anything mm. like that? <laughs> la. And that's why it was like, that's why I think also one of the questions we had was like, how come you're so, how, how, how did you come to this point to want to tell your story and put yourself out there and be the face and even be answering, you know, Facebook comments and all that. Like, yes. what, could you just, just talk a little bit about I'll, that I'll walk you. I'll walk you through that and I thank yeah. you for that question. I would just apologize for all those out there that I haven't responded in the last few weeks on Instagram as well as on Facebook. I'm sorry, it's not because I don't want to respond. I've just been really, really busy because mm. I am a Bible school teacher as well. Mm. So I've been really busy preparing for Bible school classes that I've been teaching and also I volunteer at many, many ministries. So I've been um, inundated with that. So, so I, I will get back to Facebook and Instagram and for those of you who have posted comments and I haven't responded to, I'm sorry about that. I, I, I do want to get to you. It's not okay. that I'm ignoring you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the, the reason why I responded is because uh, firstly, it's, it's new to me. I, I've done many media interviews before, uh, mainly mm -hmm. on TV. But I have not uh, done social media, mm -hmm. you know, engagement. So it was new to me, and I I was surprised by the by the diversity and the weight of comments that came back. So um, so I learned a lot from from these comments. And uh, when I was responding, I was trying to respond try with the heart of trying to understand what the person is trying to say. Mm -hmm. So you will notice, for example, in especially in Instagram, um, at first I was a bit short in my response, but then later on I wanted to ask, you know, why Why do you say this? And and I'm not accusing you, I'm just trying to understand, what do you mean when you use this word? What, what do you mean when you're making this accusation? I'm not accusing, I'm just trying to understand, you know, what, what's behind. And sometimes I found that actually, um, some of the people, they had they had experienced some bad experiences in the past, mm -hmm. and they were projecting that bad experience onto the video that I testified at, onto True Love Is. Now, I can understand where they're coming from. Uh, I can understand the the history and therefore you know their projection, but then I try to respond and say and I try to explain it's not what you're projecting upon us. I can understand it, but that's not what we are projecting upon you or upon anybody else. So you know I try to have that engagement with them, and uh, thank God I really thank God that for some of these respondents they have understood that, and you will see actually particularly on Instagram that some of the comments then came back with a much more mellow you know dialogue type of. Uh, Q&A. They were asking a question that you are asking me now, which I'm about to answer. You know, what was the background? What, what happened and so yeah. on? So for me, my background was, uh, as I said in my video, and, and for all those who haven't watched it yet, it's, it is on True Love Is. Mm. Um, I um, realized even from a very young age that I was attracted to guys. You know, from about seven years old, I, I, I realized that it was, was self-conscious. But, you know, from 13 or 14 onwards, I, I, I realized without doubt that I was sexually aroused by guys, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, I can't pinpoint anything in my background to this, and that's one of the reasons why I volunteered to be one of the testifiers, because I do realize that for some of the videos, some of the people who've testified, they have some background, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like child trauma or some, you know, parent issues and so on and so on. But that was not my case. And so, you know, I wanted to be out there to 
help those uh, who have a similar background to me, who cannot identify something that you know went wrong with them in the past. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage them that they are not weird. You know, that they are not unusual and they're not uh, people that should be left and forgotten, you know, as if, you know, how come you can't remember something? You know, there must be something. I don't want them to dig into something that doesn't exist, right? Because that was my case. You know, it wasn't childhood trauma or anything like that. Um, and as I testified in the video, um, I uh, began to go to gay saunas and gay clubs and gay bars, you know, in my 20s. And uh, that spiraled into a lifestyle that was very destructive in many ways, yeah. right? I was uh, addicted to physical sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in some, uh, you know, at, at times I was I was having, uh, you know, uh, sexual intercourse with three or di- four different partners a night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a lifestyle that was very uh, destructive. And uh, over time, I realized two things. Firstly, that this was not uh, satisfying on the inside. Uh, as I said in the video, there was a void inside. And the more sexual encounters I had, the bigger the void grew. So initially, I thought this void was just the appetite for more sex. So I tried mm-hmm. to fill it with more sex. But the more I fill it with more sex, the bigger the void grew. So obviously, the answer is this void is not caused by a hunger for more sex, right? Mm-hmm. It's something else. And at that time, I didn't realize what it was. The second thing, obviously, that uh, I got to realize is that, you know, do I, do I want to be living a life like this where, you know, I'm just thinking about the next sexual encounter where, you know, I'm trying to make the arrangements, you know, trying, trying to, trying to, you know, trying to maximize the number of sexual encounters, you know, per yeah. night and so on. Yeah. Um, in my in my history, I also had a had a, I also had a boyfriend, right? And even when I had a boyfriend, I was cheating on him, and you know it was just one of these. Um, it's not a very it's not a very um, wholesome um, way to live life. You know, yeah, you, you yeah. you're under tension, you're under pressure, you're under this cat and mouse game, and it's not it's not a it's not a good place to be, yeah. right? So I realized firstly uh, two things, as I said, you know, firstly the void, and secondly, this is not the life I want to lead. Right mm-hmm. now, what I didn't know was what alternative is there. I mean, what what is the answer to this? And I'm talking about myself. Please, please, I just want to emphasize again: everything I say here yeah. and everything I said about 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 the video is about myself. I'm not projecting it on anyone else. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the mist- that's one of the things I got to realize when people uh, send in their comments, they're assuming that I'm projecting my comments on them, and I'm not. I'm truly not. Okay, but so for myself, I got to realize that there's something missing. There's something wrong here that I uh, that is not fulfilling me. When I say something wrong, I mean you know this void inside me. Yeah. When I say something wrong, I mean you know this kind of destructive lifestyle of uh, you know multiple sexual encounters a night. So I'm very grateful to a friend of mine who in 2014 told me that he was going to church. Mm. Now, at that time, as I said in my video testimony, uh, I felt so dirty. Mm-hmm. And, and these are my words for myself. Again, I'm not projecting this on anybody else. Yeah. Right? I per- this was my own thought about myself. And the reality is, the reality is that actually this thought about myself is incorrect from the Bible perspective. Mm -hmm. But this was what I thought about myself at that time. And so one of the reasons I testified is because I want to, I want to correct some of these misperceptions for Christians out there who consider themselves too dirty to go back to church. Okay. Okay. Right. Which was my situation. I felt so dirty that I I didn't qualify to go back to church. That was my perception. I'm not imposing this on anyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I thank God that my friend told me, no, you are wrong about this. You are righteous. 
before God. Mm-hmm. And I was so taken aback by his comment that I'm righteous before God. Because, you know, back in my teenage years, I already received Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a teenager. And because of that, my friend told me I was righteous before God. I was so shocked. I asked him, who told you that I'm righteous before God? And he said, his pastor did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, what a strange pastor you have. Who yeah. is this pastor? So I followed him to church to find out who this strange pastor was. And I thank God when I got to church, the pastor was preaching from the Word of God and it really ministered to me. Mm-hmm. It spoke to me. And uh, one of the Sundays, uh, the pastor was preaching on the par- par- parable of the prodigal son mm-hmm. that was returning home. The parable of the prodigal son returning home is uh, maybe very well known to, to, to many Christians, but it's uh, this prodigal son that left home, mm-hmm. uh, spent his father's fortune away um, and then uh, when he was in need uh, after spending the fortune away there was a famine and uh, in this parable the son ended up with nothing so that he ended up having to feed swine in order to uh, get by mm-hmm. right now feeding swine uh, being obviously a very dirty job right very smelly job feeding swine and then he realized that actually I could go back to my father and even the servants in my father's house they get better than this right mm-hmm. so he decided to go back to his father now the thing that really struck me was this the Bible says when the son the prodigal son was returning home the father saw him from far away yeah so the father was clearly looking out for the son and the bible says when the father saw him far away the father ran to the son hugged him kissed him and put the best rope on the son mm-hmm. and the pastor said this which really t- blew me away he said do you realize that this son returning from feeding swine was still smelly from feeding swine, and yet the father ran to him mm-hmm. yet the father kissed him yet the father put the best rope on him so this struck me. It's not about how qualified I am to go back to church. Mm-hmm. It's the Father's love for me to come back to church. And that was when I realized that God was saying to me, come home, son. So that's mm-hmm. when I went back to church. So uh, I thank God that, you know, uh, that I have this, uh, late, uh, you know, uh, that, that I met Pastor Ian and Pastor Norman later on, and I'm able to share this testimony of um, the Father's love for us. Mm-hmm. You know, wherever we are, what, wherever we are, the Father still loves us, and He yearns for us to come back home to Him, come back home to walk with him so and that's what i did okay yeah so the the, the church that your friend brought you to was yes. 316 church? no it was a different church it's not 316 church. church yeah okay. actually all almost all the story sharers yeah are from different churches oh okay I see. so yeah. it's not okay. just it's not just from 316 no oh, okay. we, are, we are a very small church we are yeah. about 150 people okay and so right. this group of people are christians who self-identify with unwanted same-sex attraction mm-hmm. someone like mm-hmm. tao chen um, you see, if in Singapore you identify as LGBTQ, yeah. you are somewhat a minority, right? Yeah. But if you are someone who self-identify with unwanted same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. that makes you a minority within this minority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we call that a, a micro-minority. Yeah. And like what Tao Chen is saying, many of them, they feel that they're not worthy to go back to church. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether it's misconceptions, whether it's things that the church have said in the past. And... and you know, we, we put out that phrase that which, by the way, you laugh at. Uh, mm. uh, come out, come home. Mm. It's it's it, it means a lot, um, and it's it is out. It is a message to those who are outside. Yeah, and like what Tachung was saying, it's 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 almost like a homecoming. Okay. So yeah. it's 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 an invitation to say, look, if you're out there and you feel too worldly for the church and mm-hmm. too churchy for the world, mm. um, we want to say that we want to do better. We don't have all the answers, but okay. we think that it's important that you come that you come back and we can have this conversation together. So, so uh, okay. what I'm hearing is that the target group is very specifically that 
Christians who are who have come out and and are feeling like uh, a bit I mean uh, exiled uh, so to speak from the church. Uh. So yeah. you're saying that what you will hope that um, that the video reaches that the audience that the video reaches is that that small group of people. Uh. That's correct. It's the audience um, is the are Christians who identify themselves uh, experiencing unwanted same-sex attraction. So okay. Christians okay. who identify themselves mm. as experiencing unwanted same-sex attraction. And That's the okay. audience. And okay. If you're wondering why we need to put that mouthful in every yeah. single time, right? Yeah. 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 Is that if we don't say it right, people will be saying, you have no right to tell us how to live our lives. Yeah. Mm. And, and we respect that actually. Mm-hmm. And we're not putting the story on anyone. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's to is to bring a source of strength and hope to those who like Tao Chen. Mm. Intrinsically feel like, no, no, wait, I don't want to act on these same-sex attractions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to church to see maybe what, what my pastor has to say, what the word of God has to say about that. So on one hand, that's that's a big target audience. Yeah. The other side is the church at large. Mm-hmm. So that we provide a language and we provide resources so that people would be able to know how to converse and relate to this group of Christians. Okay. And I think we have been seeing some results. So mm. even with our last story, a pastor uh, uh, finally posted it on his Facebook. Yeah. And he, he said he's sorry for taking so long to finally make a share on one of these stories. Mm-hmm. Because he was scared that if he put a share on a True Love Is uh, video, that his friends whom he loved might label him a bigot or homophobe and mm-hmm. that might that might make him feel like a, seem like a hypocrite and he didn't want that mm. but he felt that he needed to put that post out there so yeah. that people would know that he also wants to give this um, Christians with I want the same sex attraction a voice and to say that his church wants to be a safe place as well okay. so that's why I'm really grateful for the work of True Love is for two reasons one mm-hmm. is in terms of the work for Christians who self-identify as uh, have ex- experiencing unwanted same-sex attraction. So people like me, yeah. people like me. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful for that work because when I was on my journey on uh, discovering the ways of God and discovering the truth of God about this subject, same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. um, and when I discovered that uh, God has a better plan for me, this is, I'm, again, I'm talking about myself. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I wanted to live out that better plan, right? So I wanted to walk out of same-sex attraction um, by the power of God. And that journey for me was a very lonely journey. It was a journey of struggle, but it was a very lonely journey because at that time, True Love Is didn't exist. Yeah. So it didn't have the resource to help people like me who was on that journey. So I'm so grateful for the work of True Love Is today because that resource is now finally available to Christians who have, who experience unwanted same-sex attraction to have a community or to understand or to be inspired by a community of those who have a similar journey, either mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, still struggling in that journey or those who have overcome in that journey. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful for that inspiration, for that encouragement. The second thing I'm really grateful for is the work that True Lovers is doing with churches mm-hmm. to raise the awareness of churches on how to engage with Christians who identify with unwanted same-sex attraction. Okay. Uh, these two pieces of work are, are very valuable um, and, and I'm so grateful that Pastor Ian and Pastor Norman have taken the trouble to do that. You see, uh, for them, <laughs> they run a church. They don't need this hassle Mm-hmm. You know, a number of comments that they get. So sometimes I cry when I think of what they're going through in order to help people like me. Mm. Why would they bother? Mm. <laughs> if it wasn't for the call of God on them, why would they bother? And thank God they're obedient to God. Yeah. Because of their work, it helps people like me. And I want to, part of, part, want to be part of this help 
to those who are also experiencing the same journey that I experienced. This time, let it not be a lonely struggle. This time, let it be a journey with fellow Christians yeah. who would encourage them, inspire them, and and uh, lift them up to walk with God. Okay, so so that means okay, that means at the root of it, it is because the same-sex attraction is sin, seen as a sin, right? Uh, it, that, that's the core of it, right? So I think it's helpful yeah. um, at this point. To, to, so the, the typical term people use is homosexuality, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, or you label yourself an LGBTQ, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what we have found very helpful in this journey is to separate the attraction and the action. Okay. So someone might experience same-sex attraction. To us, that experiencing of that same-sex attraction is not a sin. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a language that many churches don't, don't have as well, actually. Okay. Because it's typically homosexuality, right? Yeah. But we thought it's helpful as well, both for someone like Tao Chen and the church to recognize that if I experience same-sex attraction, that experience of that feeling is not a sin. Mm. It's like, for example, we get out here and I see yeah. an attractive woman. I, mm. I'm married with, with three kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I find her attractive, that, that feeling, that temptation it's in itself is not a sin. Yeah. Okay, but if I were to indulge in that temptation, mm-hmm. then that becomes a sin. Okay. And so acting on that same-sex desire uh, to us is a sin. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, even at this point, it's that, that even as churches, even as pastors, even as leaders, that we need to stop treating homosexuality as, as the worst sin. Mm. I come here as a sinner. I deal with greed. I deal with envy. I deal with pride. These are all sins. Yeah. And so this is, homosexuality is just one of many aspects that as a church that we need to welcome and accept our people in in helping all of us uh, emerge from, from what, we're, what we're doing. Sure. And, um, and, and, and it's, in doing so, we, we, want, we want to value the person beyond okay. what they're struggling. And we want to not identify them based on their struggle. So, so then how do you, okay, because I agree that there are some sins that are universal. If you want to murder someone, you, you can have the desire of wanting to punch someone in the face. Uh, but that's not, that's not illegal. But if you punch someone or assault them, it's illegal, right? So what I find still difficult to reconcile is that, it, okay, amongst your church, uh, churchgoers, it is clearly uh, the acting out on homosexuality is a sin. So how do you reconcile that within your church with, the movements around the world that are trying to fight for rights for people who are homosexual. Because like the thing about punching or murdering, it's almost universal. Most people will agree that's a bad thing, right? But for you guys, like as much as you say it is your views that you impose on, not, not impose on others, but you hope people who walk the sim, are walking the path that you walked in the past, they can understand that you went through that journey and they're not alone. But there are so many parts around the world, they are trying to fight for equality la, because they don't believe that homosexual, acting on homosexuality is not a sin. So how do, how, how, how do you, you guys reconcile that? Is it we are right, they are wrong, or we choose to act in our own ways, they choose to act in our own ways? I would, uh, maybe if I should go ahead first. Uh, mm. So for, for, for me, it's, it, you see, you see, I was in that lifestyle before. Yeah. So... Um, it's not the, the the question that I was seeking the answer to is not the moral or human social question of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not the question I was seeking the answer to. Okay. So the question for me that 
I went to my pastors on when I started to walk with God again in 2015. The question for, for me was, what does the Bible say about this? Mm. Because for me, the authority on this subject is what the Bible says. It's not this, it's, it's, the authority on this is not the accepted norm or the changing norms of time yeah. on what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, and what yeah. people are doing to campaign for this or that. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so I'm talking about, uh, I'm, my perspective on this is what is, does the Bible say? And, and that's the group of people I'm addressing. Those who also are interested in what the Bible says about this in, in my video testimony. Mm-hmm. So I'm reaching out to those people who are interested and who want to know what the Bible says and who want to live out what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, okay. that's the group. So again, I, I, as I say many, many times, that. I'm not imposing this on anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. who have a different view. You know, we're all free to choose. Yeah. We don't have to accept the Bible as our authority. I mean, you know, everybody in the world has uh, freedom of choice to choose what they accept as their authority. Mm-hmm. So uh, now when I asked the pa- my pastor, uh, what does the Bible say about this subject? I actually went with uh, with with other friends, and mm-hmm. so you know we heard the same answer from the pastor, and the pastor actually answered my question: What does the Bible say? Which I'm very grateful for. Now, uh, other people, even though they hear the same answer and even though the same question was asked, they they may leave that that same meeting with a different. Um, reaction. Mm. Uh, they may leave the meeting with a reaction of, well, uh, I don't agree with how you treat the subject. Yeah. Okay? Now, same content, same question, same answer, but different reactions. Mm-hmm. So clearly, the, the, the content is not the problem. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's the perspective of the questioner or the, question, uh, the perspective of the listener that, that produces different results, right? Mm. So I was serious when I asked the question of my pastor, what does the Bible say? That's what I really wanted to know. Okay. And he was faithful to tell me the answer to my question. He was not telling me the answer that was socially normal or socially acceptable, but yeah. he was telling me that answer, mm. right? But, but for somebody else who prefers something that, uh, you know, uh, suits their perspective, um, they, 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 will, they may not find that answer acceptable or helpful to them. Right, mm-hmm. but that's their perspective, and they have a right to that perspective. Right? Yeah. Uh, so all, all I'm saying is, when um, when people ask me this question, I, I actually it's a very wide question about mm. you know how come people are campaigning for this. Yeah. They 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 because they're driven by different uh, authority and different standard, right? Yeah. Uh, and they are welcome too. I'm not imposing on them, right? Mm-hmm. But all I'm saying is that for me, my authority and standard is the Bible, and there are others like me, and these are the people who are speaking to and saying, hey, you know, stay the course, don't give up, you know, don't yeah. give up, uh, keep going. You see, there are testifiers like 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 Jason, like Seahall, like myself, who have been on this journey, you know, we're here for you. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. so one thing I, I mean, like I think we mentioned earlier, yeah. True Love, it's kind of a platform, a bit like what Ministry of Funny we try yeah. to be, like, right, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand the... You know, we're very honoured to be on the same platform oh, no, 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 as you. We, I mean, your videos get a lot more views than ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically... It's true. We're, we're, we're a failing channel. Failing joke, channel. We're a failing channel. <laughs> failing channel. But, but, you know, um, especially when you put something on social media, it's hard to ring fence it and say, oh, this is only for this certain audience. So let's say the video reaches, uh, you know, someone who's in his teens and struggling with his sexuality and he already feels... I mean, he's very confused about it and he feels bad about it. Then he watches a video and then, oh, you know, uh, homosexuality is a sin if it reinforces like maybe some bullying that he faces in school. What what, what would you say to that that line of criticism? Because I have seen people commenting about it. It's not, I mean, as much as you want to ring fence it, it's only for this audience. Uh, It could also be watched by people outside of this audience. 
and it could influence how they think about uh, their own sexuality and you know acting on it as a sinner. Mm. So what what would your response to that be? So I was very sad when these comments emerged and I paused um, because as I've explained to you and as you can see from my heart, mm. you know, my heart was not to impose on anyone else. My heart was to reach those who struggle the same way that I did. So I was seeking God on this question when, when these comments emerged. And, and one of the people actually met me face to face and said, you know, uh, my, my video uh, was, was unhelpful to him. Mm. Right. So I paused and I was seeking God on this. You know, did I, did I miss it? Did I get something wrong here? Did I, you know, did I, did I miss, miss God's direction here? Mm. Um, and I paused on this, but, um, I was, I was reminded that there are numerous others who have come out to me since the video was posted who have told me that this video has been so encouraging to them. This video has helped them so much. This video has inspired them so much. Some who are struggling with same-sex attraction, but also others who are struggling with other things. Yeah. They found this testimony to be helpful and encouraging, uplifting them. So when, when, when I was reminded of this, it dawned on me, same content, same channel, mm. same time zone, same time frame, but different reactions. So clearly, the content can't be the problem here. The content can't be the cause of harm here mm. because there are others who draw comfort, inspiration, encouragement, uplifting from the same content. So it's likely that it's the perspective of the person who's tuning in or listening in or clicking on, mm. the different perspectives and they're drawing different things because of their different perspective, not because of the content. Mm. Right? So on this point, I would just end with this, and I know Pastor Norman has, has others to add, uh, other, other perspectives to add to this. The right solution can't be to deny those who find this helpful to them. The right solution probably is that those who disagree with this content, uh, they have the right to not watch it. Mm. They have mm. the right to not re-watch it. They have the right to not forward it, and so on and so on, right? So, probably that may be more helpful um, so that it doesn't disturb those who might disagree with this content, but to still allow those who draw comfort, encouragement, inspiration from this content to be helped by this content because it is available as opposed to making it not available. That would be injustice to this group of people who are already struggling alone, already facing um, a pressure of a different kind with no one to turn to like I had no one to turn to at that time. Yeah. Uh, now we have true lovers and I thank God for true lovers. I, I can't thank you enough <laughs> what difference you've made to people like me. But thank you, Pastor Norman. I, mm. I, I appreciate that question yeah. because there have been a lot of comments that the content might cause harm and mm. we take allegations of harm very seriously. I mean, we're a church uh, mm. and this is a ministry of a church. Yeah. And as someone who emerged, I, I, I dealt with mental health issues in the past. Mm -hmm. And those were some dark days. Mm -hmm. and, and I know how triggering things can be. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember I remember when I realized I wasn't well. I was in the middle of Orchard Road. I just broke down. I couldn't stop crying. Mm -hmm. my, my then girlfriend, now wife, seemed like she was bullying me. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I'm telling you, without the grace of God, I don't even know whether I'll be here. Mm -hmm. I, I hear and I read the comments and we're not shying away from them. I, I have a friend who took her life. Mm. 
and she leaves behind a husband and young kids. Mm-hmm. And so we, we take these um, allegations seriously. But like what Tao Chen said, it's we know because of that how helpful this content has been for who it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. And that the content, no one can force someone to consume a particular content. Mm-hmm. And having emerged from mental health, I know how important it is for us to guard our hearts in what we consume. Mm-hmm. And so if the, even if the video comes out, the person can always swipe away. Yeah. And it, I think it's our responsibility to teach our people that as well. And we are not here to silence anyone or censor anyone as well. And going mm-hmm. back to one of your, your questions earlier as well, how yeah. do we reconcile uh, other groups who are pushing and fighting for, for their mm-hmm. rights? We are not censoring them. Mm-hmm. We are respecting their freedom of speech. We are respecting their freedom of expressions as well. Mm-hmm. And so there was one thing that you said in the last podcast as well. And, and, mm. and, and, well, you memorized yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody <laughs> calls you disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because it was an honest question. Yeah. And, and we, people say we don't listen. We do. Yeah. And, and th- there was once because of LaSalle La Gate last year. So mm. there was an entire social media firestorm that happened last year as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually had an entire series of seven videos produced. Uh, mm-hmm. But because of that gate, and we heard what the ground was saying. We, we canned five of them. Oh. We felt that it wasn't the best time. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we just shelved well, it for a while. What is the LaSalle gate again? So last year, um, there was a poster put up by a church mm-hmm. uh, on a, a True Love is poster, mm-hmm. which is really the heart behind that was to say, um, we want to be a safe place. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't mm-hmm. to provoke anyone. It was saying that, look, we want to we mm-hmm. do our part. And we want to indicate in our little way that we want to be a safe place for any Christian mm-hmm. who self-identified with unwanted same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, a student uh, changed one of the words inside that says join the conversion to join, sorry, join the conversation. And it was changed to join the conversion. Mm-hmm. And that's a trigger word. And uh, it blew up. And within like a week, we had uh, 3,000 hate comments. We had a death threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we really had to, we, we, we took it seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, But back to what we we're talking about, one of the things that you said was that um, so it, it could help if we kept the stories to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we have found is that there are Christians who are out there who are not in churches who need this message. Mm. And, and I just want to ask you back as well, actually. Yeah. And, and, and I, it's not, I'm really honestly curious about this. Yeah. So if say a pro-LGBT organization, mm-hmm. they put up a message to say, accept your sexuality. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Uh, but I know that message is actually quite triggering for my friends, like mm. yeah. Taoshan, who's, who's struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That shouldn't that same logic apply where they should then keep the stories to themselves? Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah. broadly speaking, the last conversation we had where you know we deferred on the use of the word disgusting to yeah. describe it, it came from, I mean, me... I mean, I I know I know people who LGBT and everything, and I you know I've been to Pink Dot also. I have you know done everything, um, but yeah, sometimes th- th- there have been times when I ask myself, am I speaking on behalf of someone, you know, who who didn't ask me to do to do this or to to be there or anything like that, and in what position am I you know into speak on behalf of someone um, So that's where I felt. Uh, it's hard for me to 
I, I want to support someone who says that I, you know, I'm, I want to be pro LGBT and everything. I want to be accept my sexuality for for if they come out to me and then and say that to me like, it's easy. But for the the larger philosophy of it, right? If someone finds some happiness in the way he's living his life, or like, like yourself, you you know you you know what you want, like and and you state it very clearly. Uh, is it? Am I in a position to say, hey, you you are being brainwashed? You're wrong. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm hardly the person to be able to walk in your shoes and say the same thing, right? So that's why I, I felt like just using strong language to describe, mm. uh, you know, like the putting out a video and like you say, like it's your it's your prerogative to watch it or not. Uh, I couldn't, I cannot bring myself to use strong language to say that's terrible. You know, you can't do that, lah. Oh, disgusting. Eh? Uh, disgusting. <laughs> because I mean, the, at the end of the day, like the conversation, whether it's about this issue or even a lot of the issues that we've been talking about, cancel culture and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. I even find it, as much as I say, I don't support it. I cannot bring myself to say it's, you know, only an evil person would do it or things like that. Because that's like putting a label on, on, on the people who are, you know, also maybe struggling with certain issues and, and, and all that. Yeah. So, so that's where I, I was coming from where, you know, yeah, in, in essence, I, I felt Maybe if everyone just left each other alone a bit more, mm. we'll all be a little happier. You know? So no more Facebook. Uh. <laughs> Facebook, I, yeah, no. So yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good question. And and um, I guess I've never been asked that by someone. So I appreciate the question. Mm. And how I would rationalize it is basically, okay, so I would say I'm not a religious person. I was born a Hindu. Uh, and right now, if you ask me, I think I would, I, I would identify as agnostic. Uh, there's something bigger but we don't know yet mm. um, I will admit that I'm not the biggest fan of organized religion which is an issue because my girlfriend's a Catholic so, <laughs> so, so that's loaded, a topic for, for a whole other conversation but for me why I still feel uh, where I'm coming from there's a difference is because right now there's more and more in uh, research being done on okay where does homosexuality or same-sex attraction stem from? Is it biological? Is it physiological? Is it just emotional? Is it a choice? And because it's undefined, but because there's mounting evidence, be it anecdotal or scientific, that it is something you're born with, to me, um, that has different weight compared to it being right or wrong based on a belief. And, and so that's where I think there might be a difference between people who are outside of uh, the church and inside the church. Because to me, the Bible is still a book that was uh, written and I can't bring myself to see it as fact. And if it is defined in that book that homosexuality is wrong, that's something that I, I have trouble reconciling with. And to me, if I had to, if there's a spectrum, I would definitely lean towards, okay, feels or whatever I've read, whatever I've listened to, homosexuality is physiological, is biological. So to me, that's the difference, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, but actually... But in terms of like the, I mean the hypothetical question he posed, yeah, like the pro LGBT, uh, yeah, the video. So to yeah. me, if the people getting offended by it are getting, oh no, not say offended, hurt by it because of their belief system that is ultimately a belief that, for me, it is still, it, it's 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 rooted in beliefs rather than facts or evidence or something that can that is proven like let's mm. say like okay so this is where i need i need uh, help from you guys also in terms of the bible and this is a debate i've had or conversation i've had with a lot of people generally it is seen as uh fact amongst the, the the in the church or how is it that because a lot of like like what you say you know the bible said that homosexuality is a sin so to me the way i see the bible is that okay it was 
It's written by by men. Um, um, and anything that's written, there's always going to be some biases. Uh. So compared to like a, a scientific fact, like a mass of one kilogram or something like that, to me, that is anywhere in the world, anywhere in the universe, that mass will still be consistent. So how, how so that's, that's, I guess, the root of why to me, it's still different because um, the people getting hurt in the example you said of uh, from the church, it, they're getting hurt based on the belief that this is wrong in a book that was written by uh, men. Well, on that, I want to say, yes, the Bible informs our worldview, yeah. mm. but science have been increasingly inconclusive on mm-hmm. the genetic effects of homosexuality. Mm. In fact, I mean, as I speak more to uh, our friends who emerged from same-sex attraction, yeah. and they've read a lot. And as, as pastors, I think it's important for us to read the Bible and to read the papers as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, even just in 2019, uh, they had one of the biggest uh, researchers on uh, genetics and its I- impact on whether you're born this way. And this was a sample size of almost half a million, yeah. hundred times more than a previous study. Mm. And the essential conclusion is that there is no one gay gene mm. and that se- sexual orientation is a complex uh, combination mm. of uh, genetics, uh, but significantly environmental factors okay. mm. on childhood experience, adult experience. And so, and so it plays both parts. And okay, so um, okay. I, I think it's important that our, well, our worldview as pastors, as Christians are informed by the Bible, but we also engage in value-based, non-re- non-religious reasoning mm-hmm. uh, as we speak about matters like that. Okay, and I really respect that because mm-hmm. I think that that is, the to me, the benefit of conversations like this. Like, because one of the questions I listed down was also, have you guys come across literature that points either way? Like? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you guys do do your reading, your non-religious reading, your non-religious right. research. Like. Yeah. So, so is there anything that, that we can quickly Google to find out or something? Not, not during this podcast, but for anyone listening, anything that, is it easily the searchable? The, the name of the study. So I, yeah. I think it's uh, Andrea Garner, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Uh, okay. If you just Google that and half a million, I mean, every major newspaper reported on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But can I just ask something because you mentioned about the LaSalle gate and the conversation conversion. So what is the, what was the call to action of the poster or what is the call to action of each video? that is out there, come home, uh, come out, come home. Uh, but what do you hope that, you know, your target audience does after that? And maybe you can talk through to, to verify that it's not gay conversion therapy, like, right? Let's put it out there. That's, I think you, you said that in comments and everything. But then what actually does, when you say like, come to true love is what is happening, like, you know? Well, I'll first speak to uh, conversion therapy as a terminology, okay. yeah. and I may, maybe Pastor Ian could also could also then uh, explain what the what the as you put it, you know, words a uh, call to action. Mm. Uh, so, I I didn't expect all these comments mm. on conversion therapy. Uh, I was surprised, and um, then I started ask. Uh, I tried to probe some questions on what what do you mean by conversion therapy, but actually, you know, not not many responses on that. I suspect mostly because uh, there is an idea of what conversion therapy is, but there's no definition of what conversion therapy is that's common to all the people who throw this label around, right? Yeah. Um, so I suspect that uh, these these words probably mean what they say, which is that uh, therapy meaning a program, mm. conversion meaning a, a, a different outcome, but the implication of that different outcome program is coercion right the implied the implied 
sense behind this is coercion or force, mm -hmm. right? So I suspect that's what people mean when they yeah. throw this label around, although I, as I said, I can't get any definitive response on this. Um, and I must say that uh, clearly that is not the case for me or for any of the other testifiers at True Love is. Mm -hmm. We haven't been through any therapy and we haven't certainly not been through any coercion or through any force. Um, and that is also not the objective of our videos. We are not forcing, imposing or manipulating anybody with our videos and nor are we suggesting that they go through any therapy, right? So, so on all of these counts, um, I, I, you know, when I respond, I try to explain there is no therapy there's no there's no force there's no imposition right uh, and so these are labels that are wrongly uh, put on true lovers wrongly put on me wrongly put on yeah. all our fellow testifiers um, yeah you know as a as a ministry as a platform mm -hmm. we get a lot of hate mm. a lot of hate messages that we get out there and i think it's it's, it's largely bearable but if there's one point that is triggering is this one Mm -hmm. uh, ever since the start of the ministry in 2018, it's been one label that that they've been trying to put on us. Mm. And every year, the definition of the label changes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the first year, and understand the conversion therapy comes with it a lot of baggages from historic methods that we do not agree with, agree with as well. So conversion therapy in the past involves using electrotherapy, mm -hmm. shock therapy, emotional abuse, physical abuse, yeah. isolation, so that a person would change from homosexuality to heterosexuality. And that's where conversion as an uh, objective and therapy as a program comes in. So that first year in 2018, they're all blasting us on that. When it's none of that, we, we categorically condemn such practices as well. Mm -hmm. The second year, they move past that, they add one layer on top of that and say, it's not, okay? It's anything if you attempt to go from, as long as you attempt to move someone from homosexuality to heterosexuality, that's conversion therapy. Mm. And we don't do that too. Okay, so when you talk about the call to action, our heart is for them to find it in their hearts to come back to church, to give God a chance. So it's any church regardless. It's, it's not even 316. Most of okay. them don't, don't come to 316. They go back to their home church or to their friend's church. Mm -hmm. but to recognize that there is a community that perhaps wants to journey and support you on this. Mm -hmm. And when you come to church, it's not, we, it's not about being straight. Okay? Mm -hmm. The Bible didn't say that God says, be straight as I'm straight, yeah. or, or be heterosexual as I'm heterosexual. God mm -hmm. says, be holy as I'm holy. Mm -hmm. And it's about receiving his heart for us, which is his best for us. Mm -hmm. okay? So that's, that's, that's the second year. And the third year, this year, they're saying that any attempt to have a particular sexual uh, orientation repressed, that's conversion therapy. Mm. And so every year, the goalpost is being shifted. Mm. And, and every year, it seems like a new definition. They're giving new meanings to words. Yeah. And I think it's important that we recognize that we give the story sharers or people who really are making their own decisions, their, their, their own space, and to recognize that they're not being brainwashed. You know how insulting it is for, for someone to say, you've been brainwashed. Mm. It's like, what, they can't think for themselves? Mm. And what, for, for me, it's most upsetting is that these labels, they, they put a stigma on, on our ministry, mm. which we are sincerely trying to help. Mm -hmm. It might not be you as a target audience. And that's why we spend so much time at the start of this podcast speaking on that specific target audience group. 
And this this particular target audience group, it's, it's not easy being them. Yeah. Because as they start to review that perhaps I don't want this same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community who understandably so is very protective mm-hmm. over their minority rights yeah. or lack of, mm-hmm. they, might, they might attack them. It's like, mm. what do you mean? Yeah. And then historically, the church might not have been the kindest to those who identify as LGBT. Mm. Yeah. So they are rejected on both sides. Yeah. And so here is this ministry and we are trying to, to have a conversation on this. Mm-hmm. And we recognize it's not a one, one decision thing. It's a conversation. And so that's the conversation. That's that's the call to action for them to come out, and every label that goes in. And I believe that there are people who have sincerely wanted to seek support and community that have been turned away because of this. Mm-hmm. And, so and, and that, that to me is upsetting. So so just to understand, when you say ministry, how I how does that? What's the hierarchy in in the church? Like like, can you just give a breakdown? Okay, I think it's uh, maybe ministry might complicate it. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier, it's really a social media platform. It's really Singapore mm. Ministry, government minister. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, there, there. The, the Ministry of Funny, the highest one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really a, an initiative, a okay. social media platform. Okay. And so when they come into church, or let, I mean, I can speak for my church. So when they come into church, they will not be treated any differently. Mm, and okay. so if someone's coming in and they are expecting that, okay, I'm going to be made the focal, the focal point. Mm. I think they'll be sorely disappointed. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we had people who got to know 316 Church through True True Love Is. Mm. And then when they came in, they realized like, huh, like that only. Because uh. mm. mm-hmm. True Love Is is like a 30,000 platform. And uh, 316 Church, we are like 100 people church. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and so people have been disappointed when they have come into the church. Um, but when someone who struggles with same-sex attraction comes in, they, at least they would be guaranteed that mm. they will not be outcasted they will not be disrespected. They will not be looked down. They will not be defined by their struggle, but they'll be respected as a, as a human being. Uh, they'll be honored as a child of God. Mm. And, and they'll, be, they'll be treated the same way like everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have, we have not even spoken about true love is over the last three years on mm. Sundays, mm. except for that one Sunday after the LaSalle gate. Mm. Because it was important to address the church on what's happening and even the threats that the church was facing. I see, I see. So would you describe your church uh, and your church's view, uh, you know, true, true love is as progressive, like within the the Christian community? Because I mean, I think you mentioned that like uh, the church historically hasn't always been the kindest to uh, people who come out as uh, homosexual or, or anything. So is there a struggle even like between churches, let's say someone watches, a uh, Christian watches a True Love Is video and then res- it resonates with him and he goes back to his church but his community there might not be ready for him to come back and all. Uh, does that cause problems for you? Like do people say, you, like do other Christians say hey, you shouldn't be be encouraging this? La, you know? that's, that's, a, that's a good question actually. Yeah. Uh, very, very woke of you uh, to, to put that out because it's true. So when yeah. we first started, we released the video uh, which was previously our most shared video mm. uh, entitled Is It Safe to Come Home? Because mm-hmm. look, if we are advocating for it, yeah. then we need to ask that question. And some churches weren't happy mm. um, that we put that out there. Yeah. And even, even on, on, on the church side, there are some who are more conservative. Mm-hmm. And you know, true love is, the branding goes true love is and then there is a blank. Mm. And um, people actually took the effort to put our names in 
and said true love is is Pastor Norman softening the stance of the church. Oh. And uh, so we had to deal with that. But you see, it takes conversations. And mm-hmm. so in 2019, we spoke at about 100 over different settings, addressing about 20,000 Christians mm. about this conversation. At least we try to get the word out there. Now, not, mm-hmm. not everybody would buy in, but we start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of churches are buying into the idea. A lot of churches are recognizing that same-sex attraction is something for us to deal with as a church. And I won't say that we are progressive in, in that sense. I think that many, firstly, progressive is also a, a quite a loaded, loaded word yeah, these yeah. days, right? Yeah. I think that every church has been given a different uh, mission, a call, a mandate. I know churches who are extremely advanced in taking care of uh, communities with special needs. Mm-hmm. And this is a disadvantaged community that has largely been ignored. I know churches who are very advanced in taking care of the elderly. Mm. Uh, I mean, ideally, every church would have a ministry for each of this. Yeah. But I think God has given every different part of his body a different mandate. And it is our peace to start this conversation when it comes to LGBTQ matters. So then over the years, I mean, I don't know whether this movement is still, still around, but where white? You know that movement? I don't know, I don't know if it's still around, but in the past, have what's the relationship between, or if any, between you guys and them? Yeah. Uh, have, have have you guys I don't know like uh, oh yeah what's the relationship is there any it's the it's the one week where church leaders get to dress up like the PAP yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and um, different church leaders different Christians uh, they all have a lot of different opinions when it comes to wear white yeah mm-hmm. so our, our church we, we have not one white but mm-hmm. we also recognize that different churches are called to address the situation differently yeah, mm. and we were just called to address this from a more empathetic perspective. So when mm. you say called to address, meaning that they made, they basically asked the different churches to address it, and you address it in your own way, or was there like a, almost like come and wear wear, wear white with us? So um, at some level, there are invitations. I mean, uh, the church world operates largely very relationally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we exchange ideas and there is there are invitations mm-hmm. and different churches can make their own decisions. Sure. Yeah. And so when we started True Love Is, uh, we went around to ask whether they would be open uh, for us to share the message behind that as well. Mm-hmm. And we believe that it was a more empathetic approach. Um, we believe that those who started Wear White have their reasons for doing so. And just like we don't censor uh, pro-LGBT organizations, we believe that every church have the right to pursue uh, faith in their, their own way as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that we decided to take this alternate approach. Yeah, I mean, okay. uh, what, that's one of the things I, I felt that um, there is a spectrum uh, to how different churches or, or different members of the community are dealing with it. Like there's Wear White, you know, then there's uh, also Free Community Church and, and there's the True Love Is approach. Uh. But one thing I really have to credit you guys for uh, is the videos are really good. Uh. I mean, the quality <laughs> of the videos is, I was shocked. Uh, because, I mean, we, we know production, right? Yeah. To get to that that level of quality is, uh, not only is it expensive, but to, I mean, even get an honest, uh, you know, someone's testimony. And, and I mean, you even acted out, you know, the scenes of eating the cake and everything in your own video and stuffing yourself <laughs> with cake. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is like, I would... Even when I ask an actor to do anything or what, right? It's uh, you always have to think about a person's welfare, lah, right? Mm. So for you to have been telling your own story, that is probably you know there are some certain uh, unhappy or traumatic elements in it. Mm. But at the same time, be asked to eat cake and stuff your face as mm. if you know. How how was that experience? Was it like 
like was it something you felt comfortable with and and and, and all because it's not yeah it's, it's really not easy to come forward on camera yes. and then act out reenact your you know I mean it's 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 a scene like, but it's it's very clearly linked to what you're talking about like. yes so Terence uh, I would agree with you totally that the quality of production is spectacular mm. uh, I was super shocked mm-hmm. because I've only shot two videos with True Love Is yeah. but I didn't expect the production to be of that quality so obviously a lot of people that make a lot of effort around this you know put in a lot of time and i would say there is a spirit of excellence the bible says the spirit of excellence of god mm. in the work that's being done so i really thank god for true love is really really thank god for all the work that's being done um the, the what what also impressed me was that i t- i related my my testimony to the uh, producer director scriptwriter once or twice and they figured out how to explain it, what was a 30-year history for me in eight minutes. Yeah. And they, they figured out how to make this uh, relevant. And I was really impressed by that. Um, what you, I don't know how you are so perceptive, but the eating of that uh, dessert table, yeah. um, that time... Uh, was what I struggled with, and I told Pastor Norman this because he was he was there with me. So I struggled to relive those days. Mm. Um, I struggled to relive those days in word mm. as well as in action, and that was the most difficult part for me. Uh, so I credit you with uh, great spotting skills or whatever those skills are. Um, it was. It was painful to relive those days because those were the days, as I said many times in responses to comments, those are days that I do not want to go back to. Mm. Right? And it's clearly unwanted for me. And again, nobody forced me this. I, I, I made the decision myself. These are not days that I want to go back to. So having to relive that for the purposes of shooting the video was, um, was difficult. It took me a long time to get going. Um, in in the description of those days, in oh, the words, was it your idea to to use food? As no, the... it was their idea. It was, okay, they okay. are brilliant. They are brilliant in using that analogy. Mm-hmm. I because I have a you know I I also uh, one of my side hobbies is uh, competing in in bodybuilding. Can I show them the picture? Bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> so I told them that uh, the most important thing in bodybuilding is uh, diet. Mm. Is food, right? Mm-hmm. So when they heard that, they then uh, they then morphed that into using food as the analogy here uh, uh, for me. But I would say one thing, Terence. Um, all the food that I stuffed myself with, there was a big bin next to me that you didn't see oh, okay. that I threw everything back out <laughs> into. So I didn't actually eat any of it. Uh, thank God for that. <laughs> and, and on that note, I just want to say that every story, it takes a lot of sacrifice for the storytellers mm. to put their lives out there again and revisit certain scenes. And the reason why we do that is, firstly, to be honest to their story, mm-hmm. but it's in so doing that someone who is also on that journey can identify with certain points mm. and be inspired that there is a trajectory that God can take me on. Mm-hmm. But yet, when they put their stories out there, the kind of comments that come in are, are, are painful to, to, to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. One, 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 my friend, when he put his story out there, and knowing that this is a Christian platform, one of the comments that really hurt him was he says that, Raphael, there's a special place in hell for people like you. Mm. Other comments like, look at the way he sits. Of course he's gay. Mm. And it's painful. And, and so, I, thinking about them, it, 
I just really I honor them as, 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 as what they're going through and their sacrifice in putting the stories out there so that other people can be able to identify what they're going through and give their feelings a voice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that means, okay, so um, that means it's, it's ultimately, hmm. so I, in, in the, the belief of the church and true love is, is that let's say right now um, there's unwanted same-sex attraction, right? And through kind of acknowledging that it's unwanted and many, being able to deal with that, you kind of are able to lead a happy life, right? But so what about the approach where you just learn to deal with it? And, and the reason I ask that is because, you know, in the example of your story, right, you know, multiple sexual partners and that urge, it happens a lot for heterosexual people as well. Right, and in some way, they—it's not say they suppress the desire to have a happy life. They just manage to realize, okay, this is not a sustainable life, and then they have a monogamous relationship and they find happiness. But it's not about suppressing the sexual desire. So, what's the difference from the perspective of the church and true love is between those two? Is it because homosexuality is still rooted in being a sin in the Bible, or or is there anything else that that I'm I'm missing? Yeah, so I'd answer that from a, a experiential plus biblical perspective. I'm sure Pastor Norman has more to add to it. Yeah. So um, for me, it was not just dealing with sexual addiction, which you rightly pointed out is not peculiar to one group of people. I mean, you yeah. know, heterosexuals also may struggle with uh, uh, sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was not just that that I was dealing with. I was also dealing with this growing sense of emptiness, this void, this this loss of sense of purpose. Mm. What what was it inside me that was so unfulfilled? That was what I was also dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started walking with God again, I started to realize that this void in me was a yearning for God, a yearning for the ways of God, a yearning for the things of God that I hadn't been filling myself with for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Instead, in the last 30 years, I had walked away from God. I walked out of God, like the prodigal son who went out of home and went yeah. far away. So when I started to fill myself with the things of God, I started to realize, oh, this void is being filled. I'm becoming satisfied. You know, you use the word peace. Yes, peace, but mm. much more than that, mm. right? So fulfillment, satisfaction, yes, peace. Mm. Um, and this was what I wanted, right? So I wanted to get there. Now, in, 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 as I discovered more and more about the truth of God, um, I started to realize that there are things that God wants me to deal with, not because he wants to make me miserable, but because he wants me in a better place, mm-hmm. right? So I started to realize that for myself, I needed to deal with these things so that I could get to the better place that he had intended for me, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the first things that he got me to deal with was not same-sex attraction. One of the first things that God got me to deal with was bitterness. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that for 30 years, over 30 over years, I had been building up bitterness in myself, Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize who that bitterness was against until God made me examine myself. And I found that actually I was bitter against my mum for over 30 years. I didn't even realize it. I just thought that, you know, she deserved to be uh, spoken to in a certain way. And uh, I thought that that was the rightful thing. And so I didn't realize that I had to deal with this. But God dealt, me to, dealt with me to deal with that first. And when I dealt with bitterness, it opened up many other things 
that led me to a better place. And the same thing with same-sex attraction. As God uh, moved on me to deal with same-sex attraction, and for me, it was, it was a two-and-a-half-year journey dealing with that. It was a very painful, a very lonely journey. But I kept at it because I knew that it, I, I was going to get to a better place that God intended for me. So as I keep saying, you know, the Scripture tells us in many examples that when God tells us to do something, it's not to make us miserable. It's to set us up for a blessing. When He shows us His ways, it is to set us up for victory. He is a good God, a God that wants a better thing for us. So on this subject of same-sex attraction, I would keep going back to the same thing that uh, Pastor Norman said just now. The, the Bible doesn't say homosexuality is a sin. The Bible says acting on same-sex attraction mm. is a sin, right? Mm. Now, different ones of us are broken in different ways. The Bible tells us that we are all broken but in different ways. So some of us are broken in the way of same-sex attraction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, others are broken in other different ways. But the good news is that we don't have to stay broken in whatever way that we are broken. The good news is that Jesus came to pay for the victory over that brokenness. And that's what I discovered. When I started walking with God again, I discovered the victory over the brokenness that happened to afflict me, which mm-hmm. was same-sex attraction. And when I walked out of that, I walked into greater and a better place that God has for me. And that's where I am today. And as you rightly pointed out, uh, you said, you know, if somebody finds peace and that works for him, isn't that good? Yes, I know, I thank you for saying that. But it's much more than peace. Oh, it's fulfillment. It is a much different life now than what I used to live before. You know, uh, living under a canopy of darkness, of, of, of this discontent, of this unfulfillment, now living in the flourishing of fulfillment, it's a completely night and day different experience for me. So both from a Bible perspective and from an experiential perspective, um, I would just encourage people uh, not to misunderstand that when we Christians are talking about, uh, you know, what God has for us, that we are imposing, you know, some some wretched, miserable life on everybody else to make everybody else miserable. No, not at all. Firstly, it's a choice. Secondly, God wants us in a better place, and He's showing us the way to a better place. The mm. the parallel with marriage is interesting, though. Are you yeah. thinking about marriage? Uh yeah, it's on the cards. Uh-huh. Yeah. Scoring yeah. some points there. Huh? On, yeah. on, on the, the record, no, no, on the record right now. <laughs> on the record. You look at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I bring this up because uh, I've been married for ten years. Yeah. Mm. Three amazing kids. Mm-hmm. I was in the same primary school, secondary school, JC, wow. uni, wow. major, wow. industry, <laughs> and now bed with my wow. best friend. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and you used the word that I felt defined a lot about about love mm-hmm. that it's a choice mm-hmm. and um, over the years um, you know sometimes there there isn't butterflies mm. sometimes uh, feelings uh, emotions uh, they're not on a high but we still choose to love mm-hmm. and the feelings always catch up mm. and I don't have the lived experiences like Tao Chen on speaking with regards to not acting on homosexuality. But I, I do have that experience to choose to always love my wife and we have over 10 years, it's, it's, it's just getting more and more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in the Bible, it speaks about how um, sex is reserved within the covenant between a man and a woman. And a woman. And it's beautiful in that setting. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sexy, it's amazing in that setting. And I, I, to, I mean, to your question, as you, as you choose to love every single day, as you choose to give your all and to just step outside of your comfort zone. And the Bible tells us that's the kind of love that Jesus came to show. That it's not a self-seeking love. It's a, it's a love that gives. Mm-hmm. And when both parties commit to that, it's a beautiful relationship. It's a beautiful picture. And mm-hmm. a lot of that comes down to choice, like you, like you asked. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so then, um, I mean, I, I think like what you said just now about how we are all broken. I mean, I'm not the most religious, but I do agree everyone ha- is broken in some way. La. So what are some of the other ways that are seen as being broken by the church? Because uh, acting on same-sex attraction is one thing. But I mean, I know there's a lot of like, okay, there are many types of sins. La, and is there some sort of hierarchy of sins? <laughs> uh, because that, so from an outsider, it feels like amongst all the sins, acting on homosexuality is like the top sin. And like every other sin is like kind of like, okay, we don't need to pay that much attention to it. Is there a reason or is this hierarchy from an outsider's perspective totally unfounded as well? And I, I, I get that quite a bit as well. Mm. And I can, I can see how it could be perceived that way because mm-hmm. of how public and political this conversation yeah. can be. Yeah. But like, like we spoke about earlier, it's like we are sinners. Sin is sin. Mm-hmm. And we deal with pride, we deal with envy. Uh, there are a lot of broken marriages within the church as well. Uh, the papers just reported that divorces are up 4% to about mm-hmm. 8,000 this year. And, and that's heartbreaking. And um, you guys probably haven't been to church for a while, right? No. You want to been to church? Oh, yeah. For, for my girlfriend or? Oh, personally. No, I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic. Right. So, yeah. yeah. You can feel free to come to my church. <laughs> <laughs> and, but what you'll find in, in many churches yeah. is that there are entire ministries that have been set up to address all of these other issues. Mm-hmm. They're called family life ministries. And they address things like pornography, which mm-hmm. is rampant. They address yeah. broken marriages uh, and, and a whole host of other activities as well. Mm-hmm. But because this topic on homosexuality, it's, it's at the forefront of culture and it's so polarizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love how you guys recognize that social media can be an echo sometimes, an mm-hmm. echo chamber sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of societal pressures for those uh, who identify as LGBTQ. But mm-hmm. within the social media realm, it's, it's, it's quite pro-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at the prominent figures who are speaking up. You look at the public figures that are speaking up. It's, it's very strong. And that's why anything that goes against that grain, it gets highlighted as well. Mm. So for the sins that you, you, you mentioned, Harash, um, also a lot of that, people recognize the morality behind that. And they're already working on it. Mm-hmm. But this being at the forefront of culture, it's something that the church also wants to address and is learning how to address at the same time as well. And therefore, I guess it seems that, uh, that it's highlighted mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's polarized. But it, to me, it's, 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 it's just that it's the, it's the hot topic and the hot button of the day. So then what, what were the steps that led you and the other people who started True Love is to mm-hmm. start uh, the ministry? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was recognizing that, that we, we are not doing a good job at it. Like we mentioned earlier, I, say, when you say we, meaning uh, at least it is for me. Okay, and and in recognizing that perhaps the church can be a little bit more open and safe. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, I recognized that I was apathetic to the issue, mm. and as I sat there and I heard someone who was struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction share how he felt when people said certain things to him in church, mm-hmm. and in empathizing with how lonely it, a journey it can be, mm-hmm. I realized that we have to start speaking out. Mm. At the same time, there was a, uh, a girl who used to identify as lesbian in our church. Mm-hmm. And so we asked her, would you, would you be interested in telling your story? 
so that perhaps you can put your story out there and give those who are in similar in a similar situation some hope. Mm-hmm. And she says that I've been waiting two years for you guys to ask me that question. Mm-hmm. And so with one DSLR, we shot her story. Our editor back then was an 18-year-old girl who has not graduated Singapore Polytechnic. She is still the editor that does our videos right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that started the entire ministry. It's in, re- it's in recognizing that perhaps you can do a better job in accepting and in supporting this community. So then what did you think of the video put out by City Revival? Was it City Revival? The, the one with Joanna Tung? Uh, yeah, cityrevival.sg yeah cityrevival.sg so when you also see those kind of videos right what are your thoughts huh? yeah. and so, th- to clarify to the listeners this is a video that we also talked about in a podcast where it was the founder of that uh, ministry or movement uh, sitting next to someone who Joanna you would Tang. deem yeah, Joanna Tang, who is a singer influencer and the thing that caught fire was the fact that she said the six colors of the pride flag are a symbol of Satan or rooted in Satanism because there's only six Six yeah, colors six, and six, 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 six. Yeah, six colors. So, so, yeah. So, how, what, what were your perspectives when you saw that video? So, surprisingly, I, I think that the best take on this was by a pro LGBT uh, leading voice. So, a leading voice in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. So, I think this guy is the like the the one of the directors at the InterVarsity LGBT network. Mm-hmm. And so, like a week after it happened at look it was it was ugly right what happened it, yeah. it was it was a bloodbath and uh he put out an insta story video on on facebook instagram and and he said that he believes that that groups like city revival have certain rights or are entitled to those rights to practice and live out their faith and sexuality mm-hmm. and during a time where there is so much hurt and frustration that we shouldn't be throwing stones into each other's houses mm-hmm. but a lot more empathy can come through and a lot more understanding can come through so that we can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great way to, to move on from what happened uh, during that week. Mm. And Jamie and Joanna are friends. We told Jamie's story as well. Mm-hmm. And um, they've put out an apology. And um, I, I just think with what this guy said, that it was a, a way to move forward, especially after the apology as well, and to give them the space that they need, uh, having taken a break from social media. But he was using that don't throw stones into glass houses as from the perspective of the, the internet throwing stones into City Revival's glass, glass house or City Revival throwing stones into the LGBT glass house? Both. So uh-huh. I, I thought that was very gracious. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying that every, so he's, he's saying similar to what we discussed just now, that, that everyone has the right to live out and practice their their, their take on faith and sexuality mm-hmm. to live out their opinions and beliefs whether is it uh, truth to them or not yeah. mm-hmm. and, and as people do so then let's extend more empathy towards one another instead of throwing stones into each other's houses okay mm-hmm. so, so that means to understand what you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong what you're saying is that City Revival they still have the right to post a commentary like that um, and we all need to be more empathetic that people have the right to express themselves and it is only by recognizing that right can we move on past that. Does, or am I like, uh, I, because I'm still trying to grasp what, what your take was on that video and the content in that video. Yeah, I think also because there was a lot of, even myself as well, I merely thought that it was a true love is a related thing like, because yeah. I recognize her. So it's not just for, my, uh, for us, but I think a lot of people had the misconception that it was somehow linked and I think I, 
even maybe in the podcast, I might have said, oh, it might have something to do with True Love is. Like, yeah, because that person probably, also, yeah. like what you said, was featured on a previous True Love is yeah, video. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So Jamie is a friend. Uh, we shared her story, which is a wonderful story of um, emerging from depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and, mm-hmm. and finding God and reconciling her faith and sexuality as well. So I, I thought that one of the influences take on the situation was, was a pretty good take mm-hmm. and that there are some things there's some content that might not be suitable for social media. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jamie's take on it was as, is, this, is similar as well. And mm-hmm. that she felt that City Revival was a platform that is for the church and by the church. Mm. And in putting out that video, that it would have a particular target audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said that if she's given a chance, she would do things differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are certain content uh, that might not be suited for, uh, might not be that suited for a public uh, platform. Mm. Although, if anybody wants to put out that content, they still have the right to do so. So mm. then, how do you differentiate that between? Because Singapore, I don't know about other countries, but Singapore has clear sedition laws, right? Where any content that is seen to be divisive amongst races, like primarily the past few years, has always been about races. But if if content is like that is put out, which in some way is divisive, right? Uh, should they also be liable to to that sort of similar regulation? Because I, I get how, I mean, I would say, I think free speech is almost like complete free speech is impossible. So I've shifted my stance on that because I do think that, okay, certain things you can't say in public. Mm-hmm. And whether or not the sedition laws are too strict and all that, I that's a whole other topic. But if people are being held accountable for comments that, can be seen as divisive, uh, should they also be subject to similar regulations for content like that? I think that the rules apply to all. Mm-hmm. And so, and there are also areas of uh, proper recourse that I think people have also taken. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think everybody is put onto it. There's this sandbox that we all play in. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to interpret the rules and, and, play, and play accordingly as well. So I think that those rules apply. Okay. Can I just ask something? Because I mean, we talked about uh, there being a spectrum of how how uh, yeah how people respond and, and deal with uh, issues they have with LGBT uh, LGBTQ identity and all that. So when True Love Is was founded, one of the big things was that the logo and everything uh, was predicated on the rainbow, right? Which is you know historically a symbol of like the pink. I mean, uh, the LGBT pro LGBTQ movement. So. In some ways, people can almost were saying that it's like co-opting of like this symbol and a, like was it was there a deliberate reason why uh, you wanted to use that and not like you know create an own identity for for this approach right? like the true of this approach which I can differentiate like where white is like one whole other extreme right mm. and then pink dot is there but you know using the rainbow that is quite universally seen as a pro LGBT thing may have come across as like quite. Uh, aggressive, yeah, yeah, antagonistic to 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 that movement. Uh. So can can just address like why you know you chose to do that. Uh. This guy has good questions, man. <laughs> Let me ask you, how many colors are there in the rainbow? Seven. Yes, seven. Are there differences in the rainbows that we're talking about? Uh, mm, I don't know. I, I, I'm colorblind. I, 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 so oh! <laughs> no, for real, for real, I'm colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> we're a cop out, man. <laughs> no, so you're saying the rainbows between that's used by the LGBT movement and. Uh, I don't know actually I haven't looked yeah. at it in detail actually, I, I didn't even know about the whole six colours and eight colours thing until this city revival eight colours 
it started with eight, then for logistical reasons, like they needed to print, they could only print six colors. So uh-huh. the flag became like six colors, I think. And then, okay. and, and then it was Keeping pointed it. out in the city ref- okay. revival thing. Okay. The heart behind the re- decision on using the rainbow as part of the logo. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one to reach out. Okay. Um, there are many storytelling platforms out there, like Ministry of Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we wanted our, the people that we are reaching out to, who are the Christians, who are experiencing same-sex attraction, to know that we were talking to them. Mm. And, and right now, there's so much content out there. And this is just our way to say, to say that look, we are putting out some stories and we want to connect with you. Mm. These stories are for you. And it's, I think it's, it's done its role in connecting. Mm. And I also understand um, there's a lot of emotion whenever we talk about this particular topic. And that's why yeah. I say it's a good question. Uh, so when we when we go around, we take questions. This this question always comes out as well. Yeah. And um, I I keep going back to this is that our heart behind is to connect. Mm. And I I from uh from another perspective, the rainbow is not something that is trademarkable. Mm. Um, I understand the emotion because it represents pride. It represents mm. them as a community. But in many ways, the rainbow is very meaningful to the Christians as well. Mm. So you guys know Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. so at the end of Noah's Ark God put out a rainbow and it was a symbol of his love and protection over us mm-hmm. and so it's it, it, it's a bridge so in many ways it's a, it's a picture of true love as well mm-hmm. and and I would love for this rainbow to be a bridge between the two communities and to be a sign of true inclusiveness so that the Christians with unwanted same-sex attraction could also not be rejected by both sides Mm-hmm. If you think about it, a lot of times between the left and the right, we share a lot more commonalities than we know. Mm-hmm. And I felt that this could be one way that we could bridge the two divides. Mm-hmm. So in your fu- future, you see the these two groups coexisting quite peacefully? Or do you think it's always going to be like a battle? Because just now you were saying some things about the, the day that label the you guys with uh, conversion therapy and all. That day, I assume, is the detractors lah. So do you ever see you, you guys living peacefully? I, I think that what you guys are doing right now here mm. is a picture of that. Mm. It's having a conversation. Mm. I think that more and more of these conversations can take place. That leading voice in the LGBTQ community that we spoke about, uh, our pastor had coffee with him. Mm. And in that, in that video that he put out, he said that, uh, and that that meeting was pleasant. It was a good one. So I do think that in this entire uh, spectrum of, of, of beliefs, there are some areas that we are going to be able to uh, find common ground in. And for us, our heart in this area is, is friends like, like Tao Chen who have, who have been through that community um, and they're not invalidating one another's experiences, mm-hmm. but they're respecting it and giving space for it. Mm-hmm. And, and Darren, I, I do want to say though, it's like, for many who come out as LGBTQ within the community, they're celebrated for being brave and for accepting themselves. But for friends like Tao Chen, when, when they come out and they say they're not acting on their same-sex desires, sometimes it's it's misconstrued or the subtext is that you're repressive yourself and everything. Mm. But for this group, you know, they've been through the entire journey. Mm-hmm. Some have slept with many, some have slept, some have been faithful, some have, some have partied hard, some have studied hard. And, and they're, they're here right now at this point of their lives 
where they've accepted God and they have the peace and joy uh, of what God is giving them in their lives because it's that good. Mm-hmm. And I do see a space where people can respect that for one mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. and not yeah. invalidate one another's life experiences. So so on that note, I respect that for you, Tao Chen, it was a choice. But before you made that choice, did you ever consider, say, giving up religion and embracing LGBT, uh, your identity, and just curbing the addiction rather than the desire itself? Uh, yes, but it wasn't so much about um, curbing the addiction. I would say that I wasn't really figuring out how to deal with that. Uh, but I would say that for 30 years uh, that I didn't walk with God, mm-hmm. um, I got more and more, uh, I, I suppose, conditioned to this idea that uh, that uh, this was who I was. Mm-hmm. Right. So... I also was one of those who was upset at uh, at at reports, and and this is me, okay, because I didn't bother to go and read any reports or actually uh, go to the events themselves. But I I was told of reports of so and so said this uh, about same sex attraction, pastor so and so said this about same sex attraction. I didn't even get bothered to get down to the bottom of it. I just assumed that those reports were were accurate, and I got offended by those reports. So I was in that space where uh, where I was I was convinced that uh, this was who I was, and I should live out this way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that others shouldn't have the right to cancel or I mean I don't want to use bad terms nowadays but you know others shouldn't have a right to tell me that I shouldn't live out this way because who are they they're not in my shoes right so I was in that boat I was in that camp but as I said you know my experience was that I I didn't have fulfillment Uh, it was empty void you know and a bigger and bigger void and it's a horrible place to be Mm-hmm. Horrible place to be. So when I discovered uh, walking with God, walking with God again, when I discovered the way out of this, I found fulfillment with God, and I thank God for that. I thank God for that. So um, I I don't think that I was in a space where I thought, well, let's just deal with the addiction, uh, and that would be, then be okay. I wasn't in that space. I just realized that I just I just knew that there that. that something was amiss Mm -hmm. because despite all the pleasure of sex and there is sex there is pleasure in sex even the bible says so there's temporary pleasure right despite all of that there was this emptiness and um uh this emptiness that that just wouldn't go away all right so uh so obviously something was off Mm -hmm. right yeah is that is that okay? Uh, uh, did I se- several yeah. of our story sharers, yeah, uh, I mean, they they spent years mm-hmm. identifying as LGBT and Q. Mm-hmm. Our next story is someone who actually got married as a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. one of the first five in Toronto, yeah, and oh. was also an activist once. So, I mean, to answer your question, many of them had went through and identified as LGBTQ, yeah, lived a liberal life, and and then went full circle after that. Mm-hmm. So that means majority of the people who uh, congregate towards true love is are Christians, as in, or do you get a a, a significant percentage who also uh, uh, embrace Christianity as part of their um, dealing with the unwanted same sex attraction? They are non Christians to begin they, with. To begin yeah. with, then yeah. they watch 
uh, true love is really and then they, they they find that okay this might be a place because for your example Tao Chen, uh, you uh, you said you became a Christian in when you were in your teenage years right that's right and yes. throughout you were a Christian yes but I didn't walk with God so I, I walked away from God right. so, so to me it was as if I wasn't a Christian because okay. I it was not an authority for me the Bible was not my authority yeah. in those mm. 30 years yeah. okay mm. but so my question is are there people who had not even embraced Christianity before they realized that oh true love is and your approach is an outlet for them so because our stories and our engagements has always been in the church yeah uh, to answer your question those who have come to us are christian christian mm, yeah. mm, okay. okay okay i see mm. okay that's interesting because yeah for, for me so i mean i guess the one thing that i have i mean slowly like if you ask me do i still feel the video is disgusting um i would I, say i was about to <laughs> <laughs> no i would say when i said that it was an emotional response from me, but from from hearing you guys, I still don't agree. Uh, and I will say that I don't agree, but I also respect the fact that. What do you don't agree with? Just just to clarify. Um, the just the 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 fact that it is more about suppressing desires has the way uh, to find happiness, lah, as opposed to finding a way to to. Because to me, like as much as. Uh, what you uh, I mean I do see a lot of similarities between het- heterosexual like let's say if someone who is heterosexual is also dealing with the same emptiness the solution uh, is it, it's not often the case that okay it's su- like suppressing or getting rid, rid of this desire right it's a, just about finding like okay going from multiple sexual partners and finding one partner so to me um, I still feel that this this doesn't have to be the way but I respect that it is something that that you guys are finding happiness with and i assume you're not hurting people like you're not punching random people on the street you're living the a good life so that's where my perspective has evolved a bit like, because just now the questions i asked about what you feel about where white uh what you feel about the city revival the anchor was because to me the city revival video was not was different from just talking about what works for them it was like shitting on someone else's approach and that i feel is unnecessary but from hearing you guys and your take and like just browsing um, your your website and your content, uh, I don't get that sort of antagonism. And it's more about just talking about what works for you guys. Lah. So I, I I respect your right to do that. So that's why I will still say, yeah, for me, there, there's still some, some stuff, a lot of stuff I disagree with, but it doesn't feel as antagonistic as something like City Revival. Lah. Um, I don't know whether that's a evolution and this this is something that I'm going to grapple with continuously. Maybe when you put out the next video, I must say, fuck, that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. I can't guarantee that I won't. <laughs> you, you almost went an entire podcast without dropping an F-bomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, like, I was just itchy. I had to drop an F-bomb. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, so, but I think, like how you say, um, I also don't want to curb my reactions to what I see on social media because mm. that's the thing about social media, right? When people put out, even though you're speaking to a specific audience like what Terence said you can't ring fans content and I will I still routinely get pissed off by content I see but over the years like we, before this podcast we were talking about you know the, the right wing commentators I don't identify as right wing but I see value in uh, consuming that content just to understand where the other side and I say other side in air quotes is coming from like, because it either reaffirms my beliefs or makes me to forces me to change and evolve so talking to you guys has been helpful um, and I think it'll just be a constant debate of some sort uh, be it in my head or be it with you guys for a future podcast yeah. and I think a conversation is good Yeah, I, I, this is not a one time conversation Yeah, and I think it was important that we got you guys here because 
uh, even even ourselves, we have a tendency to maybe we form caricatures of of organizations and people based on what uh, you know one or two videos that we see of them online, uh. mm. and you know just like when the Harish and I had a conversation, he said disgusting, and immediately I was like, wait, 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 you know, we 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 know our style is not about like immediately putting a label on people, so we're like, okay, maybe let's try and see if we can talk to these people uh, and see. Yeah, even if we don't agree with the approach or we just feel that we don't, we're not in a position to say which approach is the best or what, right? But just understanding where you guys are coming from, like the idea that, you know, you, you're saying that is is the target audience is so specific and the terms you use are, you know, like unwanted uh, same-sex attraction are so specific. Um, it makes me okay. I feel like um, that's... You explain your case, you put your case out there, and mm. you know we want to leave it to the people listening to come to their own decision. Mm. But at least we've made the effort to, you know, we'll sit across the table and just look 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 each other in the eye and say, hey, maybe we can disagree on something. But we we know where you guys are coming from. Uh. I think now, that, that helps a lot. Uh. Now people are going to say we are disappointment to the LGBT. Oh, 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 oh <laughs> disgusting! <laughs> yeah, disgusting. I mean, no, what's what's precious <laughs> about what's precious about this is that we had a dialogue. We've yeah. had a dialogue, yeah. and we had a very uh, transparent conversation yeah. where we are dealing with trying to understand each other, and I think that's useful uh, so that yeah. the these labels and accusations and things that people say maybe in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't so that we don't we don't stick by them and let them steer the the reality of actually what it is. Yeah. So as you as you, we discovered over the last hour and a bit, you know the reality of what True Love is does and what I, the reason why I went to testify is not the same perception that people throw in a hurry in social comment mm-hmm. uh, social media comments, yeah. um, and and those labels. Um, because they are loaded, they can imply uh, a, a, a bunch of meanings and a bunch of emotion. Mm. And um, I, I have no problem with what you said last time about the, the you know, in your podcast. Because actually, I, I, I recognize that you know, just the weight of discuss, discussing some of these social media comments can lead people to be agitated into mm. saying words uh, that had they just uh, had more time to understand uh, the the reality they they would they may choose a different form of words or they may choose a, a more moderated uh, opinion so yeah. i that's why i find this very valuable and that's why mm-hmm. i was very glad when pastor one said you know would i come and speak to you because this is a rational conversation it's not yeah. a, it's not an emotional sort of bigoted one-sided and the only thing we want to hear is what we say and if you don't disagree if you don't agree then then obviously uh you know you're you you, you, you are you are in the wrong it's not that kind of conversation yeah. and, and i mean i'm pretty sure people will respond saying that why didn't we we grill you guys more and all but to 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 everyone listening that's never been the point of our podcast because i think over the years you get older you do realize that people do things for a reason. La. And, and and that is also anchored in something that we mentioned in previous podcasts, like um, just our work in terrorism. And not to say that terrorism and true love is, is the same. It's not. It's not it's <laughs> I understand. But, but just uh, listening to what leads to people to do like stuff you cannot imagine, there's always steps that lead to that. La. And the reason mm-hmm. why we wanted to get you guys on, and even in future, we want to get guests who are polarizing in some way just to understand where they are coming from and to let people also know that it's not just defined by one thing they do and that like I think people can very easily assign malice to to certain actions and all that and for us yeah it's just to hear you guys out ask some questions and then let people also form their own opinions yeah. and what I really appreciate about this is that you're not vilifying any mm. side 
Mm. And I think you guys are modeling how it's like to have a polarizing conversation, a conversation, even if it's on a polarizing issue. Mm. I'm inspired. And I just want to put it out there. Like what you talked about earlier, there might be people who are affected by the content that we put out. I want to invite them to come converse. Like mm. Drop us a DM. We could host a conversation on the site because this is not just virtual signaling. We, we are committed to having conversations and building a community. Mm-hmm. So if there are people out there who are hurting and who are wondering, I'll invite them to, to, to reach out to us, uh, whether, whether it's a DM or an email or maybe even through you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we are going to get guests who maybe hold opposite views to you guys because we found that useful with the Narel Shashwe podcast and we will try just so that, I mean, ultimately, we also don't want to just be pushing one message. We just want to push like, give an equal footing to every perspective and let people form their opinions on this, on, the, on their own. Yeah. So I'm guessing on our Reddit, there will be quite a lot of comments about this. Uh, we will respond. We might address them on another podcast. And you guys feel free to chime in on the Reddit as well. Yeah. We're not, we're not uh, just trying to get you to follow Reddit, but <laughs> there are people who really take a lot of time to write essays like almost. And then, uh, I mean, I'm not even educated enough to reply some of them. So yeah. I actually let the audience actually reply them and actually the, then the discussions become very fruitful. Yeah, because I've learned a lot just from reading the Reddit and people have called me out for certain things I've said. Mm. I've uh, argued back my case, but sometimes I feel, okay, they have a point and that's what we like about the, our, our Reddit community. Yeah. And I'm assuming this would be interesting as well. And yeah, so yeah. so do, do you guys have any any final words or, or things to say? Yeah, I would just say that uh, I'm uh, grateful for this time uh, to clarify some of these uh, uh, labels and perceptions. Um, I I really want uh, the listeners to understand the heart of True Love Is, which is to reach a very specific group of Christians who identify with unwanted same-sex attraction. We are trying to help them. Mm. So please um, support us in helping this group of people. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, effort encourage for those of us who are testifying to to come out because we feel the burden of God for them. We feel the heart of God for this group of people who are uh, difficult to reach, who are shy, who may not even be in church. Uh, but there is a heart of God for them. And um, we are the ones who have come out to testify and true love is, you know, we are called by God to do that. So we really want uh, that to be the understanding of why we do this. We're not imposing on anyone else and, we, and we're not we're not we're not forcing or coercing anyone else. So please understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Along that along those lines as well, this this group who identify with unwanted same sex attraction, I think it's it's an expression of sexuality that perhaps both the church and society are grappling with. Mm. And I think that we all can play a part to make society a safer place for them. Mm-hmm. So whether is it to speak up for them, whether is it to recognize them, whether is it not to to discount their ex- lived experiences. Um, I think that we all can play our parts uh, by being open and having a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really appreciate about this. And and am I right to say that if someone listens and they do reach out to you guys, they have a conversation, but at the end, they're like, okay, true love is is not for me. You guys will be okay with that. Yeah, of course, yeah. of okay. course, mm-hmm. of course. People have diverse opinions. Yeah, You know, I, I, I volunteer at various ministries at various churches. I lead my own Bible study groups. And even in my own Bible study groups, people come, mm-hmm. people join. They're very enthusiastic. And then they may leave for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they leave because they disagree with what we're studying. Yeah, And that's, of course, they have the choice to do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Cool. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. 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 And and yeah, we will see how it goes. Please, please check out the Reddit. Yeah. Uh, to everyone listening, please 
post your questions in the Reddit. We will respond. I'm sure Pastor Norman and uh, Tao Chen will respond. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for dropping by. It was it was a good conversation. Thank you. Thank cool. you. Thank you. Thank you. Are we doing one shock thing? <laughs> oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. We can, we can. It's a, it's a, always Whoa, a bonus. Shit. It's yeah, always a one bonus. shock thing. Yeah, what is okay. one shock? Uh, it's it's the last segment of our our podcast where typically Terence and I just share the one shock thing that we saw or heard or experienced in the week that we want to share with our listeners. Oh, okay. It can even be just some like video you saw that was or some yeah. Just just leave something positive for the viewers to yeah to go and look up if they want if they're feeling down or anything. So like I assume that. you have one. I, I have one. I, I came with my one shock thing. Everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay, I, I want to do something that, that Jesus often, do, often does. And, and I know you're not particularly religious. Please don't be, be freaked out by it, okay? Mm-hmm. But what he's really good at is calling out the best in someone or in a moment. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we came here, I, I just found that, that you guys are called to something. And you guys are known as the Ministry of Funny. Mm. And you know that cheesy line that laughter is the best medicine? Mm-hmm. I think that you guys are called to the Ministry of Healing. Mm-hmm. And in a time like that, when a nation feels divided, what we're doing here today is like we're, we're being a bridge. A divided nation needs a bridge to heal. Mm. And I think that you guys are modeling how that's going to be, how, how that looks like. So I think good on you and, and thanks for that. Okay, okay, so basically you're saying the one show thing for you is us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. Yala, that's, but that's, that's, gonna, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear. I'm, just gonna, I'm done for the day already. I'm, I'm okay with I, it. I can't do any better than that. So I, I'm going to leave it at that. That is that is awesome, man. <laughs> do you have a one show thing? I mean, uh, Anything I think off the top one, of one thing like as we were arranging to speak up, I mean, Norman and I, we were like, let's geeking over basketball. Uh, Go Lakers! The NBA season is, is back and uh, it's a very different, it's a very different feel like when you watch the games and uh, like you see like they use uh, projections of the fans to replace the fans in the stands. It's like watching 2K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like watching a video game and like, uh, and and uh, it, there's just something about it that I think it, we are living really in like uh, historic times la, and just, even just watching a basketball game just feels like such a momentous occasion. And uh, I would just encourage people to, you know, even if you're not sports fans or what, just to be part of that community now. Because just seeing how people are dealing with uh, coronavirus in different ways and all, it's just illuminating about how, you know, what we value as society. Like, like we, I never realized sports was so important to, you know, uh, culture and even just myself, my own sanity until the last few months, uh, which has <laughs> been painful, uh. Oh, I yeah. feel that one shock thing that I came across is going to be totally different <laughs> from what you guys. So <laughs> I got reminded of this one website that I came across years ago because uh, I was talking to my friend about weird businesses. Mm. And that business is in the business of allowing you to send an anonymous parcel of poop to someone you dislike. Oh, <laughs> so, so nice. yeah, yours was so enlightening. Yours was like, oh, future of humanity. And the first thing that came to mind was this website called poopsenders.com. Wow. <laughs> I feel like taking back what I said. <laughs> That's your little slice of yeah. uh, joy for hidden wow, What does it say about yeah. me, man? When I felt, what's the one shock thing I experienced the past few days? That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah but poopsenders.com. Don't worry, yeah. <laughs> as we as I mean we as we mentioned, like some things work for, for every Yeah, there's a, we can agree to disagree. Things, yeah. You do yeah, you, man. Yeah, well, we, we, we should each do us. Okay, cool. Thank thanks you so much, much and thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.